Hello, and welcome to the Alt Left. Welcome back, everybody. This is going to be episode 64 of the Alt Left. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be asked back on the 805 Uncensored podcast. Uh, it's always a good time there. I love these guys. Uh, and I always tell everyone, you know, if you like our podcast and you like what we do, uh, check out 805. Um, they are fantastic. Um, really good put together show. Very in the same vein as us. So I got to hang out with Jordan from 805 again, which is always fun. Uh, love that dude. And, you know, we are the the red and black coalition. Uh, and I also got to hang out with Pat and do dueling history degrees. That's always fun. I love that guy also. And I got to meet uh, Heather Christina Schmidt, who does her own blog. And she had a lot of awesome stuff to say. And basically, the three of us just sat there and uh, dragged Reagan the entire time. It is a it's an absolutely riveting episode. Uh, <laughs> you know, two history teachers battling it out. Everybody should listen. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, we uh, obviously we pretty much fall in agreement on all the same stuff. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, we dragged Reagan. We dragged Biden. We talked about education. We got a little Iran-Contra in there and just kind of talked about the evils of neoliberalism. So I hope you like it. I think you will. I sure enjoyed being on there. Uh, and uh, we will see you soon. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 805 Uncensored Podcast. This is episode number 50 the origins of our modern capitalist hellscape. We're going to be shitting all over Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. Happy to host Chris from the Alt-Left Podcast. How's it going, man? Good. Thanks for having me on, man. Anytime. Happy to have you. We got Pat from the Trickle Down Socialism Podcast. How's it going, bud? What's up, Jordan? Happy to be here with Chris and Heather as well. Likewise. I know it's going to be a lot of fun. And happy to have Heather as well. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Anytime, guys. All right, so... Since this, so this won't be like a seven, eight hour podcast, I decided to break down uh, shitting on Reagan into three main parts. So the first one that we're going to talk about right now is the student debt crisis and how Reagan basically fucked over the entire public education system in the U.S. So I, to provide some context before we get into all the history, as of January 2022, 43 million Americans hold student debt with the average debt totaling up to $39,000 per person which is a fucking staggering amount of money. Mm-hmm. Altogether, the U.S. total student loan debt is $1.7 trillion. Keep in mind as well, that's more than the U.S. auto debt and medical debt. Medical debt is a whole other conversation. Like, shouldn't fucking exist at all. doesn't exist in the rest of the world. But nonetheless, I digress. There's a Reagan quote on education that I wanted to provide as well, where he says, quote, academic freedom cannot be used as an excuse for fiscal license or as a screen for excessive spending. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me that you're going to see a neoliberal Keynesian economics, you know, fucking capitalist warmonger against free education like the only education they're going to want to support is like professional education so law schools medical schools um economists business schools like that's the only thing you're going to see them even like not hating on they're not going to fund it still because remember part of it isn't just about not liking students it's about not wanting the right people to succeed that's what it really comes down to that's why college has increased so much that's why we have a for-profit college system in this country most countries you can go at least base level you can go through what we would call community college. They just call college um, for free. 
and then you pay for university some places some places like in germany you, you can get your fucking masters for free mm -hmm. um in like england you have to actually pay for university so you're up what we would, we would call upper division and, and undergrad you have to pay for it, but it's really cheap it's super subsidized by the government it's like a few bucks a unit kind of thing it's really cheap and easy because they want an educated populace and they want a populace that can access this whereas in the united states it's about creating a class structure and it's about making sure that only people of family and generational wealth have easy access to to college and if you want a degree well then you better go into massive debt so the only way you can get in is if you buy in by selling your life away in advance yeah and you're, you're totally on point, Chris. Reagan and other right-wing politicians, they held extremely disdainful views towards college students in the 60s, particularly towards students that held views against the Vietnam War. And it's, it's really interesting that these right-wing politicians would be against college students because, like you said, they were interested in that professional class. Who's going to advance into the professional class? It's going to be fucking college students. It's going to be people that are highly educated. Yet they're antagonistic towards that because college-educated people tend to go towards the left. Well, yeah, I mean, there is there is a correlation between leftism and education. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, and the ex the excessive spending piece of that kind of burns me up a bit as we look at the you know the military budget in the U.S. and, and think about the concept of excessive spending, and you look at all the bloat and all the rot in that budget. You know, all the contractors are on the take, and that's really frustrating for me, especially as a public. Uh, school teacher in Boston, you know, an urban district uh, where from time to time we will get like an influx of cash because of a certain program. You know, we're a Title I school. Most of the schools in my district are Title I schools, but we're always wanting for things like very simple things. The school building I'm in this year was built like most of the school buildings in BPS were built during the Depression, during, you know, the worst public administration and, and all that. Um, but this one was built even before that. And so there are things in this building that, that white parents would be screaming about. And we talk about ventilation. There, In order to fix the ventilation in our school, you'd have to just tear the whole thing down and build a new one. So it's, mm -hmm. it's really frustrating for me to, to see a quote like this and think about what we prioritize in our society. Well, I saw a person using food stamps who had a cell phone in their pocket. And right. And they were buying frozen food, so clearly they've got some kind of refrigerator, and I won't stand for that kind of waste, and that's that's where our money's going. That's the problem. It's not on the that's F-35 it. that just spins around and blows I remember, itself up that we spent billions yeah, on. There was a photo from, like, the 90s on Fox News that said, like, poor households, 99% of them have a refrigerator. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> this is the richest country in the world. Remember who their audience is, though. Like, oh, yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, of course. Their audience is either... You know, young fascists who don't care. Tucker Carlson could walk up there and say the sky is purple, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, done." Damn, lives trying to tell you it's blue. Or you've got ancient people who are a thousand-year-old dinosaurs who don't know any better, and they're gonna be like, "I remember when refrigerators were a luxury." They, they can't go and they can't go wrong with that. And they were saying that about school teachers too. Like to public school teachers are saying they don't have enough money, but they have microwaves and refrigerators and <laughs> dental insurance. <laughs> Well, you know, you know guys, paper. if you're a socialist, you have to live in a hut. Socialism oh, yeah, is can. when no hut, yeah. <laughs> no electricity. <laughs> it's really stunning to me how, like, like 
this general like group, you know, that we're talking about, like they expect so much, like they expect people to like exist number one with no needs, right? Like you shouldn't actually need, what do you mean you need dental insurance? Like, who do you think you are? Well, also like relying on them, like, yeah. Like even even like here in Ventura County, um, a lot of the Republicans that were complaining the most about like, you know, teacher salaries and teachers being home during the pandemic and everything, like they were also complaining that they wanted their kids in school. So it's like, make up your mind. Like, do you want to pay the teacher more or the teachers more? Or do you want your, you know, do you want to leave your kids home? I mean, it's like, you know, they just feel like an entire, it's like a sense of entitlement, you mm-hmm. know, um, that people should, should go without medical insurance or dental insurance or risk your life, you know, just so that like, you know, you can serve me. It's like a service class. Almost. You should be willing to just take any job. Yeah. I mean, let's be fair. We are living in a stage of neo-feudalism. Mm-hmm. That, that is where yeah. we have gotten to. The goal of capitalism is to get us back to feudalism. Yeah, 100%. It, yeah. Getting back to feudalism was always the goal. Um, and, and that's why you have, like, hey, there's a pandemic, so we should kill all the Burger King workers. Right. And we should yeah. spend a whole bunch of money doing military flyovers of hospitals thanking nurses, but not actually pay them the overtime we owe them. Right. Or give them PPE. Right. You know, well, and there was, was one hospital that was trying to force them to work against their will. Yeah, I mean, it was going on before that, too. If you look at, like, environmental justice, and, and you've spoken, Chris, to Dan Wilson recently, and he, he tells some really great anecdotes about this in terms of where people live and, and their proximity to dangerous factories or, you know, yes. chemicals and, and all of that. And, and that has been going on for quite a long time. And I see it in my students. The asthma rates in my students are astronomical. And the only thing that would make sense for that is slumlords who don't take care of their buildings and proximity to, to dangerous, you know, factories and, and other industries. No, ha- hands down. And again, we're, this, we're, since we're talking about Reagan and neoliberalism, that, that goes hand in hand is that, that neoliberal idea of just, ab- that don't, I mean, that's where you get this, this idea of it's okay to wreck a foundation to make quarterly profits. You know, that mm-hmm. wasn't really big until the seventies, eighties, you know, it, it, you know, post-World War II in the fifties and sixties, you had a growing economy that, they didn't know about pollution as much, but that wasn't the goal. They were still beholden to the nation they lived in. Mm-hmm. But come, you know, uh, come the new age, the 70s, 80s, when the neo-libs take over and, you know, people like fucking, you know, Reagan and Bush come into office and Margaret Thatcher on the other side, you get this like, no, poison the well. It doesn't matter. All that matters is profit and power in the short term. And that's why a CEO's job of a corporation now is no longer to make sure the corporation thrives and is profitable. Their job is quarterly profits. And they bounce around. It's like a card trading game. It's like they're fucking Pokemon. They show up and they get as much quarterly profits as they can by tanking the company. And then the second the company can't support it anymore, they fire the CEO. He goes somewhere else. They hire a new guy who's like, hey, I'm going to fix everything. And they're like, oh, he's the new good guy. He fixes the company. And then, oh, but it's not profitable. So they fire him and they get another guy, the first guy, back to make quarterly profits for the shareholders. And it's this sick cycle that goes on to help shareholders. And who are these shareholders? Well, not people running small time, you know, investments, major shareholders are, 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 you know, fucking investment firms. And the point is to profit them. And the whole time we are poisoning the planet, we are poisoning the people, and we are actively destroying the, the, the global and domestic economy. 
This is why we have a housing crisis. We, we turn houses from places to live into investments. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yep. laughs> We're experiencing that firsthand. Like we, yeah. we are just, um, you know, here in uh, Ventura County, you know, you have one housing unit for every 1,358 families. And so you have people like tripling up, right, in a house. Like, tell me how that's healthy for people. But the property management company, they don't care about anything other than making their profit, right? Um, yeah, and that's why we have so many vacant houses because they're bought yeah. up by real estate investment firms and by yeah. banks. They buy entire tracts of houses and keep them vacant. They don't care because it's, it's, it's more profitable if you have 500 houses, it is profitable to keep 150 of them empty, empty. if you can double the value in mortgage payments on right. the other 250. Like, that's the point, is that it doesn't matter what's the bottom line. And if people have to die, who gives a shit? The point is we made our quarterly profits. And that's yep. that's what real estate has become. I mean, we have real estate developers who are developing entire neighborhoods of homes to be immediately sold, not to individuals, but to real estate investment firms and banks so that they can rent them out. Yep. Because rental right. is where you make your money. Yep. Right. We most, just had most two uh, bedroom apartments have lower rents than mortgages and homes. Yeah. We just had Shervin Asami on our, our show. He's he's running for Congress in California, thirty two, and he he was talking about how two thirds of of rentals available on the market today are rented by these large housing conglomerates that you're mm -hmm. you're talking about. Yeah. Like two thirds. That's that's a problem, right? It's just yeah. yeah. Just and they can jack up the market it. value. And if they can if they can make the average rent super sky high, let's face it, even if we're talking about the little guys, right? The landlords who own one building, two buildings, or you know, a couple of houses they're renting out. We're talking about landlords. These are leeches. These yeah. are yeah. some of the most disgusting and terrible human beings on the planet. These are people who profit yeah. off of other human beings needing to survive and milking them for a penny you can't. You expect them to behave ethically? Of course not. They're going to play right along with that system. So as long as you own more than 50% of the market, the other half is going to gladly join in. Yeah. I just posted on my blog today about our own, like, like California and my own experience. Because again, like you just said, they're like the landlords are leeches, right? They are total leeches. And they just, they complete, they don't just control like the housing market and the housing prices though, and rentals, but they're like controlling like everything else. Like they can get away with, you know, like, um, like in, in our own situations, taking our security deposit, right. And charging us for, um, making renovations on their home. Why can they get away with that? Because they completely control, you know, like the the lobbies that are making the laws in California that protect tenants and whether or not we're protected. They completely control all of that. Right. Yeah. And it's like, what what is the average person like? What can they actually do? Like, what recourse do you actually have? What are you going to do? Sue them yeah. for your... And and yeah, you know? and that's it. Your only recourse is to go to court, which a working yeah. person is very difficult for them. Yeah, very they'll, difficult. They'll just price you out because they'll just have a team of fucking lawyers and you don't yeah. have the time and money to fight them in court. Exactly. Well, and even then, I, I used to litigate small claims for a living at one point in time. And I have I have um, threatened to sue a landlord. It was only because I knew what I was talking about because I had that job that they backed down. They tried to keep my deposit because the toilet had stains. And it was like, it's porcelain, bro. Use some yeah. comment. What are you talking about? That's yeah. the. That's why they're made of that. 
Um, yeah. And they didn't care. They just they just assume you're going to go along with it because in order to like in small claims, for instance, people tell you, well, small claims are for the people because a anyone who's passed the bar can't go to small claims court, right? So they can't send lawyers in, but their lawyers can draft letters. Their lawyers can coach them. And then when you show up, you have to pay, by the way, the court fees, which is several hundred dollars. You have to either serve them yourself, which good luck at getting to prove that. So you have to pay for a process server or a sheriff to do yeah. it. So now you're already out hundreds of dollars, which, by the way, you cannot recoup those costs in court. You are not allowed to sue for the court costs so you are out personally hundreds of dollars and right. now don't forget you got to take the day off work because it's not like yep. courts are happening at night this is happening midday working <laughs> Nine hours to night five. so now you're uh now you're out hundreds and hundreds of dollars right and then you get a judgment it's your responsibility to collect just because you get a judgment, yeah. they, they don't have to write a check when they walk out of the courtroom you have to pay a collection agency to go it, after yeah. them so it takes all your money so what's the point and they count on that our former landlord, um, we were thinking like, oh, well, should we take him to small claims? Is it going to be worth it? Our former landlord is a retired attorney. And I was like, how perfect. So, so how perfect is that, that you can, and they've taken over, or they've been taken to court over 40 times, right? In the last 10 years with all their different properties. But the guy's an attorney or a former attorney. You're if you're retired, like he doesn't hold his license, like his he's not yeah. with the bar anymore. He can't so practice he can, law. So he can go. But like, what am I gonna go argue against this guy? Give me a fucking <laughs> Fuck break. No. Like, like, yeah, like, like he doesn't I'm know like, that system inside and out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he probably is friends with the judge. So like Right, and that's all just heavily related to the coercion that's associated with housing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because that's what, bringing it back to Reagan. This is what, what you're talking about Reagan and the school debt. This is the kind of thing we're looking yeah, at. That's exactly. why he went after like this. Like, we're talking about how hard it is to get into housing. You know who's sitting pretty right now? Anybody who inherited a house. Uh -huh. If you inherited a house, you're doing great because your property values over the last 10 years have skyrocketed, right? Absolutely. You've got, you know, you've got equity falling out of your butthole. But if you don't, if you, if you weren't already part of this system of homeownership, you are now priced out of the market if you're a regular working class person. And again, that's not that's not a bug. That's a feature. That's the point. And that's yep. what Reagan was doing with college. It's all about keeping generational wealth intact. They yeah. want the only people who have money are to be the people who come from people who have money. That is that is intentional. And that's what Reagan was designing with college student loan debt at the same time was you either can afford it because you come from wealth yeah. or you will be bankrupt paying back the wealthy your entire life. Yeah. Right, no, and this goes this goes back to the Powell mem memo, which was you know set forth all of these plans and and how to create a system that was corporate dominated, and where people had very little power. And and the Powell memo directly attacked institutions like universities for fomenting communism and fomenting socialism and, and all of that. But it was followed to a T to create the system that we have today. And and you know the, one of the biggest boogeymen in the Powell memo is the the system of, of universities and colleges in the u.s yeah. yeah and we have to remember for the listeners context wise uh for decades colleges in the united states were funded by the like public colleges were funded by the government yeah and universities like heavily Absolutely. funded they were basically free and then it was reagan that pressured them to implement tuition-based systems well, and then just the GI Bill from there. Yeah, people joined right. the military to get college money. And that was promised because of World War II and the vets who came after it. And they kept that going. It was join the military, get free school. And over the last 60 years, we've seen that get eroded. Every election cycle Congress has yeah. taken away. For now, it's like it used to be, oh, you, you join the military, you, ser you served a term. Well, you, 
you get whatever degree you want as long as you want to stay and we are paying all your tuition they even used to pay like school expenses and now it's like well we'll give you 20 grand and the rest you can do alone but the it's really hard to apply and you know you only get the 20 grand after you've graduated and they have all these hurdles now because again who who makes up the majority of vets poor and working class kids yeah. and that's not who they want in school yeah it's kind of like disneyland disneyland is very expensive <laughs> disneyland is Great not comparison. super expensive because they want to make that sweet ticket money disneyland is super expensive because they're trying to keep everybody out keep they want to the make a rest. premium product so the place yeah. doesn't get overrun and they're doing the same thing is they do not want to see everyone have a college education yeah. yeah, like the only reason that they brought the SoCal Pass even into existence is because there was so much pressure by people in Southern California, particularly people in Orange County, that were paying taxes, that were supporting Disneyland, and they were fucking getting priced out of going. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it was difficult for Disneyland to justify that, but it was yeah, only because of pressure from the public. And if you yeah. look at their business model, they don't even make that much money from ticket sales. Their money comes from merch and food and all the other uh, hotels. All the other that goes along with yeah. their hotels. Oh, yeah. That's, That's why they, they hate us money. so much. That's why they hate people from Southern California, because we only go one day. We don't fucking stay multiple days. You yeah. don't stay in their hotels. You don't buy $10,000 worth of merchandise for your kids. Like, exactly. That's But that's the point. It's to keep a certain audience. And it's the same thing with college, is they want to keep the wealthy and established you know, white people in college. College is for wealthy white men. And if you are not a wealthy white man, yep. you are going to pay into the system for the rest of your life for the privilege of getting a wealthy white man's education. And you better be wealthy, white, and conservative. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, he also said uh, an interesting quote here that I really want to include. He said, quote, the state should not subsidize intellectual curiosity, mm. end quote. So that just directly plays into the anti-intellectualism that's been perpetuated by the right for decades. Mm. Well, of course. How, how are you going to be educated and to be pro-fascist? Mm. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it goes back to what Chris and, and I and, and you, Jordan, talked about on your episode, Exploring Fascism, is the idea. Like, it's one of the, the hallmarks of fascism is the attack on, on intellectuals and academics. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It is Pat's, Pat's right. It's a hallmark of it. And we shouldn't be surprised that we see it in American fascism. And that's what Reagan ushered in. You know, Reagan, it's, Reagan did not invent American fascism. We talked about that before. It's been here for a long time. But the Reagan administration is what made it okay publicly to be that way. You know, um, I, I hope at some point we're going to talk about the Iran-Contra. Um, because that is Reagan's... I didn't have it on the list, but <laughs> I will we do a part speak two. on that. I would love to speak on that because that was literally Reagan funding fascism abroad under the Bush yeah. doctrine. And by the way, because of this, did you know Reagan is the only president to have actually committed high treason? I, I wasn't aware, no. Oh, yeah, that's the Iran-Contra. And that's why Colonel Oliver North took the bullet. He's a good soldier. Yeah. Um, he, he, he took yeah. the shit for that one because uh, the Iran-Contra was absolutely Ronald Reagan committing high treason. Yeah, uh, and Oliver North made sure he did not get uh, persecuted for. It. We'll talk about that in a little bit. You had another point about school. <laughs> I I don't think so. Um, just I don't know. I kind of want to tie it back to what's going on right now. How it just pisses me off. How the student loan debt forgiveness is going to expire in May, and how fucking Joe Biden just keeps on kicking the can down the road instead of just forgiving it, which he knows damn well that he can, but he just refuses to do it yeah. because he just keeps on giving in to his goddamn donors. 
Well, look at that outrage when, whenever it comes up, like even from some of right, the like so defensive yeah, about it because yeah. they know they're full of shit. Yeah. yeah, like even some of like like these, you know, Democrats who are like, oh, we're so progressive, we're we're gonna have like a progressive caucus in the California Democratic Party, and we're it, you know, but fuck you and your student loan forgiveness, like pay like I did. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that argument is so asinine for so many yeah. reasons. It is such a, it's a libertarian argument and you yeah. find it in liberals um, and you find it in libertarians that this, well, I didn't get, you know, my loans forgiven. So why should like, okay. And I, I remember I had this argument with someone who said that where they, it was, it was, it was, it was a liberal Democrat. Please tell me you that brought up back. like child labor or slavery that, or something. No, what I brought up was I said, I'm not, I don't have any children. And uh, I'm never going to have children. Okay. No kids. Mm -hmm. um, why should I pay for schools and public schools? Why should I pay for childcare programs like WIC to yeah. help mothers feed their kids? Why should I pay for any kind of care for children? I'm never going to have kids. It doesn't affect me. So why the hell am I paying taxes that go to people with kids? Why are people with children given tax breaks to help them, to help them raise their children? Why is that a thing? I shouldn't I be opposed to that. No, and I'm not. Because, yeah, because we live in a fucking society. Yeah. And and if I don't have kids, that's fine. That does not mean someone true, else's yeah. children don't deserve yeah. to eat and don't deserve yeah. an education. That's yeah. bullshit. It's a garbage argument. Just because you didn't have your student loan forgiven, doesn't mean you should be opposing some other working class person the right to not be drowning in debt. That's it's just insane. It costs you nothing. Every yeah. time you drive, other, you drive on a toll road, right? Right, or the the other argument I've heard is that it, it, it devalues education. Like the, the the individual will somehow value their education less, and it's like, mm. okay, you're talking about like a debt that they're still paying twenty years from now. What does that have to do with them feeling the value of their education? And mm. the value of their education comes from what they actually get when they step into the classroom. Yeah, like, 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 how do determine their own like value are, system. Yeah, are we trying to like redefine what what value even is? I mean, it, <laughs> I mean. Well, I mean, I guess really ultimately, I mean, we're in a, a society where value really does come down to just the 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 money, right? Like yeah, people absolutely. don't act, people actually don't really see value in you know studying abroad or or you know learning the classics or learning you know like ancient languages. Like people do not see value unless you have produced something. So I I guess yeah. I can understand why people make that argument, but that doesn't mean it's like a valid one. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's a bullshit argument. Yeah, it's again, a bullshit. <laughs> we don't we don't get to decide what someone else values. Exactly. Like yeah. I have things that cost me nothing that I value more than anything. I mean, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. about that. You know, I mean, I don't know. We have such as this this intrinsic need to assign value to yeah. cost. I mean, that's why yeah. we live in a country where there's outrage over broken windows, but not over police executing black people. Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah. There's so much intersectionality and racism associated with the student loan oh, decision yeah. that we can talk absolutely. about. Absolutely, and it absolutely Again. leads into the next topic, which is the welfare queen trope. Reason being is because <sighs> if, you're, if you're crunching statistics nowadays. The, the group that holds the highest um, amount of student loan debt is black women. Mm. And black women are the target of the welfare queen trope. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Because again, who is going to be the easiest to prey upon with predatory loans? Yeah. Who, who in, we're going to talk intersectionality, who has not benefited 
or who has been harmed by lack of education, vocational training, that kind of thing, and lack of generational wealth. Well, women and people of color. Yeah. You know, uh, up until very recently, women did not inherit generational wealth, and people of color did not have generational wealth. And so, of course, female people of color are going to be willing to go for predatory loans because, goddammit, they want to have a life. Yeah. And don't get and banks will have no problem capitalizing on that need and exploiting that need so it doesn't surprise me i didn't know that but that that i mean again that fits that tracks that sounds right yeah it all adds up <laughs> i mean the last piece of that quote that i just want to point out is that the intellectual curiosity piece really burns me up because that's my goal as a history teacher in in an urban public yeah, school to is to, to get these that. kids to be curious intellectually and to have them seeking out information on their own once they are done with my class. It's so fantastic. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, when I was more in that liberal mindset, I, I would hear like scholars describe Donald Trump. And one of the funniest things that stood with me when they were describing him is they said, Donald Trump is one of the least curious human beings who've ever walked the earth. Yeah. Yeah. That just well, says it all. I mean, don't forget his favorite book is the Bible. And his favorite he part loves, is all he of loves it. Both Wait, is really? equally. He, he was he was interviewed that? when he was running. Someone's like, well, "What's your favorite?" Yes, he did he, say and clearly, they're trying to like you know oh, what oh is he God. actually fucking read? And they asked him, and he's like, "Oh, the Bible," which is the easy right wing answer, yeah. right? Yeah, and then yeah. literally, one of the other guys goes, "Oh, which part?" And he's like, "Uh, all of it. <laughs> I don't have it. It's all good. Just Jesus and oh yeah." Just yeah, yeah. He asked <laughs> the reporter asked him, "Do you like the New or the Old Testament better?" And he goes, "I like them probably both equally." Equally. <laughs> Which is funny because the Old Testament you figure would be his kind of thing. Wrath, vengeance, armies, banging your Anger. daughter. Like this is yeah. the kind of stuff he could get. <laughs> he doesn't fucking know that. No, right, exactly. He doesn't have that information in his head. And this is why we should be subsidizing intellectual curiosity. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, how how can you not try okay, then why are we doing public grade school? Like yeah. why are we encouraging children to read ever? Right. You know, but again, because they don't want that. What they really want is a is a populace that is just smart enough to pull the levers, press the mm -hmm. buttons, and shut the fuck up and join the military. That is the purpose. Yeah, because mm -hmm. it's like a fine line balance, right? You want to have enough educated people where it's good for the economy, but the state doesn't want to educate people too much where they push back against the apparatus and authority. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and they're getting what they want. Again, back to that neo-feudalism. They are going to get an educated elite and an uneducated general populace and that is really good for authoritarian monsters yep. yeah yeah so decade for decades politicians democratic and republican have demonized welfare recipients they, what's they the difference <laughs> like i'm pretty sure one of them's got an equality sticker but that's about it diet republic uh, diet, fascist diet fascism full -on fascism light you know yeah painting a picture Ooh, fascism. fascist uh <laughs> diet fascist we'll go with Painting a picture that these are people living in luxury all while other hardworking Americans are forced to subsidize them. You know, besides, like I said, be, just being a full-on classist myth, this is just a outright racist-ass dog whistle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. And, and, and again, the idea that, like, well, there's people abusing welfare. It's like, first of all, like, I mean, and, and they have done studies on it. It's less than 1%. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you that that, um, that number is not the same. Uh, for wealthy people abusing the tax system. Yeah. No. Mm, yeah. Nowhere near. Or even like, remember um, a few years ago, they did like a, 
like a trial where they, um, I think it was in Florida, but don't quote me on that, where they tested everybody for drugs. Because, right? Because, like, everybody is like, oh, well, you should only get welfare if you're not using drugs because you would, use your, yeah, you would right? use your welfare money to buy drugs. And they only found out, like, a, like a, it was such, like, a small number of people, like, actually came up positive for drug use. And... Um, and the, the amount of money that they spent to even like do the study alone right. ended up being like more than they even gave out in like the welfare itself. <laughs> it's like, how, how is that, how is that, you know, fiscally responsive, responsible? I mean, you know, like, like, like you're talking about spending, you know, millions or billions of dollars in oversight for for to spend even less money on the program right mm -hmm. um but it's like people can't they can't like they're still like oh well i still think they're doing drugs and we, but, we just we still see like a continuation of it literally to this day yeah. it's the nobody wants to work crowd everybody's lazy stop bitching about wages just get a second job yeah well, and there's still talk of welfare when welfare has been ended under the Clinton. Right. Welfare, like what's we know, what social safety net are people talking about? It doesn't exist. Yeah. It's only for a short period of time in, in a person's life. Can they receive what welfare is now is TANF, which is temporary assistant for needy families. And it's just a period of months in their life that they can get that kind of help. Yeah. Or we're even, talking about, sorry, go ahead, Heather. Oh, no, I was going to say even programs like unemployment, right? Like mm -hmm. you hear people like, oh, go back to work, get a job, like, or, or talking about how there are empty jobs because people aren't working. And I'm like, but unemployment has a limit. Right. Like, and how do you even qualify for unemployment? Yeah. You have to work full time. You have to work. Yeah, you have to work. And then you only get it for a period of time. And then you if you're not constantly working, be searching for work the getting, whole time. Yeah. And you're still, and then you still have a point where you're not getting it anymore. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. these things are all have like it's an expiration temporary. date. Yeah. And, and it's like, I feel like a lot of the general public just doesn't even know that. Like they just have these like ideas of, I don't know, I guess that come from like the Reagan welfare queen, yeah, right? The, cl the class consciousness just hasn't been established across the entire country. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like there is some degree of that that's brewing out of um, the conditions that workers have experienced because of the pandemic, but it's still just, we're really dealing with that black cloud of red scare propaganda that's been perpetuated yeah. since the eighties. Yeah. So politicians in the seventies to eighties, uh, notably Reagan drummed up a ton of anti-poor resentment and the quote unquote welfare queen stood in for the idea that black people were too lazy to work, that instead they relied on public benefits to get by paid for by the rest of us. And, and the other aspect of this too, that's really gross is they always tie, um, the woman as being sexually promiscuous, right? Mm -hmm. Like she has to hook up with multiple men. She has to have a bunch of husbands. That way she can produce as many children as possible and just take up all those benefits. It's just so disgusting and gross. Yeah. I I um I included a few pages from Howard Zenz of People's History of the United States because I think he offers a really good perspective on what I'm talking about right here. He says black children were like uh it says black children were four times as likely as white children to grow up on welfare. Early mm -hmm. on in the Reagan administration, responding to the argument that government aid was not needed, that private enterprise would take care of poverty, a mother wrote to her local newspaper. She said I'm on aid 
to families with dependent children, and both my children are in school. I've graduated from college with distinction, 128th in a class of over 1,000, with a BA in English and Sociology. I have experience in library work, childcare, social work, and counseling. I've been to the CETA office, and they have nothing for me. Mm -hmm. I also um, go every week to the library to scour the newspaper Help Wanted ads. I have kept a copy of every cover letter that I have sent out with my resume. The stack is inches thick, and I've applied for jobs paying as little as $8,000 a year. I work part-time in a library for $3.50 an hour, and welfare reduces my allotment to compensate. It appears that we have employment offices that can't employ governments, that can't govern, and an economic system that can't produce jobs for people ready to work. Last week, I sold my bed to pay for the insurance on my car, which in the absence of mass transportation, I need to go job hunting. I sleep on a piece of rubber foam somebody gave me. So this is the great American dream my parents came to this country for. Work hard, get a good education, follow the rules, and you'll be rich. I don't want to be rich. I just want to be able to feed my children and live with some semblance of dignity. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. I think going back to that first, uh, the second paragraph that you read, the the idea that private enterprise would take care of poverty, when in reality we know that that corporations depend on desperation. Otherwise, who would take the jobs that pay so little and work people so hard, right? right? So that desperation is built into the system. Otherwise, the system falls apart. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that um, I wanted to touch back on that I think Chris was talking about with uh, military spending or how outrageous it is, it might have been you, Heather, that said it. It's, he also included in here, Zen, that much of the public did not know or were informed that political leaders or the media that wealth, uh, that were demonizing welfare took a tiny part of the taxes and that military spending took the lion's share of it. Yet the public's attitude on welfare was different from that of the two major parties. It seemed that the constant attacks on welfare by politicians reported endlessly in the press and on television did not actually end up eradicating the fundamental generosity that was felt by Americans. So they said, this suggested that both parties were trying to manufacture an anti-human needs mood by constant derogatory use of the word welfare. And then to claim that they were acting in response to public opinion, the Democrats as well as the Republicans held strong connections to wealthy corporations. And Kevin Phillips, a Republican analysis of national politics, wrote in 1990 that the Democratic Party was history's second most enthusiastic capitalist party. (laughs) So basically, when they crunched the statistics, they found that if the word welfare was used, 44% of those questions said that too much was being spent on welfare, while 50% said that either the right amount was being spent or that little was being spent. But when they uh, rephrased it to... Uh, assistance to the poor, only 13% thought too much was being spent and 64% thought too little was being spent. Mm. So it's, it's all about framing and it always has been. Yeah. Yeah, And the the military, you know, just like I just said, corporations depend on that desperation. You know, Chris brought it up that the military absolutely depends on that desperation to fill the ranks especially now that you know since vietnam we don't have we have an all-volunteer army so you're depending on people needing that leg up just a steady paycheck from the military yeah you guys want to get to topic number three which is the union busting activities sure how that's impacted workers in the last 40 years wax uh, wage stagnation and a few more things absolutely sure. <laughs> 
Yeah, so prior to the Reagan era, there were a couple of decades of relative prosperity for American workers. I'm talking about white male workers, that is. You know, everybody mm -hmm. else in society was not reeking the benefits. This is where a white family could easily survive off of one income, take a couple of vacations a year, own a car, and retire comfortably thanks to a generous uh, pension package that was offered to them by their employer. <clears throat> there were taxes also sky high on the rich at this time. You know, I I'm talking about Leave it to Beaver World. I'm talking about Eisenhower right now. And so there was, there was a prosperity. That's when the middle class was established. And then that all really changed in 1981 with Reagan's air traffic controller strike busting. And so, Pat, since you teach history, and I think you could really give a deep analysis on this. So basically, can you provide um, the context of what was going on as far as the material conditions in the country at this time? And... What ultimately happened because of Reagan's crackdown of the strike? Well, absolutely. So the, the air traffic controllers went on strike, right? And at, at this stage, uh, Reagan had a, a pretty sizable, what you would call a mandate. He had been elected and yeah. uh, won almost every state in, in the union uh, in that election. They went on strike and he came out immediately against the strike. And he took a, a pretty big gamble and ended up you know issuing an ultimatum ended up firing them because they didn't return to work in the time frame he gave them and replacing those workers now a number of accounts that i've read have said that he kind of lucked out in that that first week after you know they they hired a bunch of scabs to fill in for those union air traffic controllers who had gone on strike for better pay um the the weather was really really pretty clear across the country and uh, so their their job wasn't nearly as challenging as an air traffic controller's job often is. And so there weren't, you know, the, the accidents and, and the trouble that you might expect replacing that, num you know, that number of qualified, experienced air traffic controllers. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it just broke union, the union movements. And we're back. talking about like uh, 11,000 people, right? Yeah, no, a huge number a of, air, of air traffic controllers. Um, and, you know, just something that was unprecedented of a president stepping in and firing this number of, of workers who were unionized, who had, you know, in their contract protections, all of these things and just, just severing all of that. Right. And so it, it, it scared unions. It also increased anti-union sentiment uh, for, for the years after I'd say that there, there were decades that it took for, for unions to claw back even a, a portion of the goodwill that they have from the general public. You know, we're finally seeing a rebirth of, of unions because, you know, material conditions have gotten bad enough and, and workers have, have started to realize again that they have that power in, in numbers. But um, it was absolutely devastating to to the union movement. Um, you know, it gave, gave birth to the rise of states that passed so-called right-to-work laws, which is yeah. really the opposite of what they're called. Yep. You know, they are basically laws that make it harder to unionize and harder to get protections as a union. It's basically um, like abolition of collective bargaining, correct? Right, right. Um, it, well, it, it makes it harder to form a union and it makes it harder to, to act collectively as a union. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so it, it was just devastating to unions. And it, it I can't quite imagine being a union worker in that time period and watching that happen and, and imagining how that would feel right to to feel that power sapped from from the power that 
is inherently part of being in a union. I'm, I'm a proud member of the Boston Teachers Union. I always cheer when unions are formed. You know, I'm watching closely in, in Bessemer, Alabama, as they are holding a revote uh, because the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, had, had determined that their previous vote had been heavily tampered with and that Amazon had acted in a, n- a number of illegal ways to try to prevent unionization. Um, but it, it took a long time to get uh, the public back on board with the idea of unions. We're still not where we were back then. Right. Um, but if you look at any country that has a strong social safety net, um, you'll see that the union membership is, is really high in those countries. And you look, same thing with, the, you look at states, states that have better systems in place, you will also find high union membership in those states. And so this, this was absolutely devastating. Well, I think one of the things we have to look at historically with the United States, um, with their unions and with the world, like Pat's talking about, is I think, why is that? And part of that, again, and I don't, I, I know I keep sounding like the History Channel, all I want to talk about is World War II, but that really is what shaped the modern uh, economy, of a global economy. Those are big that deal. is that is the most influential thing that changed the global economy. And in the in most of Europe and most of the world that was affected by this, what did they do? Well, they rebuilt, you know, mm-hmm. they, the, their countries were reduced to rubble. And that's why this country became so rich and powerful because we were the only game in town um, for any kind of manufactured good. And then once that went away, that's when we've been down the spiral this whole time. And that's why neoliberalism took off because it's a, it's a temp, it's a bandaid on a, on a bullet wound, you know, yeah, and it makes the wealthy powerful. But these countries, these you know, these nations and these cultures arose from the ashes, rebuilt their infrastructure, and they did it together. This led for a lot of cooperation between workers and owners, that kind of thing. Workers became owners. The ownership class was wiped out, you know. And so they kind of had a chance to rebuild it. And don't get me wrong, there's countries like France and Macron who have really dealt killing blows to unions, and the fight is not over. Obviously, there's a right wing economic rise in the world. But they still had that and they're still working through it. The United States has a history of nothing but police destroying unions. Cops exist in the beginning to catch slaves and then they exist to assassinate, beat and kill union leaders. That is what they are for. The Pinkerton guards, absolutely. Police are there to protect private property and capital. And the status quo. Yes. But I think it's really important to call out that Chris really good job mentioning the role that World War II has in this, but also the, the Pinkerton guards. And, yep. and like you said, in, in most of the south of the U.S., the police grew out of slave patrols. But in, in the Midwest and in the east, you had the Pinkerton guards who were like a, a private police force hired private by – Private militia. Right, right. Hired by by uh, railroad companies and and other big and industrial manufacturers. Yeah, yeah. That's why I just fucking laugh at handicaps. I'm like anarcho capitalism. We already basically have that. Yeah, how does that even work? How does how does anarcho capitalism even function? Like I love that. It's like that. It does. Just talking about advanced capitalism. Yeah, but there's I'm, a, I'm gonna there's really do a full interesting on it. There's a really interesting story out of Pennsylvania, um, this area called Murphy's Cut, mm-hmm. and. Um, Basically, they, they basically saw like ghosts here, there, and they, they went in to investigate. And they, they went back into the records. And in the 1880s, there was a mass death of the Irish workers in, in this camp that was building the railroads. And they investigated it, and it said that they all had died of typhoid. Now, typhoid in a population usually kills like one eighth of a population that it hits, it never kills 
everybody. Never so they, the majority. They exhumed, they went through and found, you know, these mass graves, they exhumed the bodies and they found like single bullet holes in each of the skulls. Wow. So, oh, classic wow. typhoid. Yep. yep. <laughs> classic typhoid wounds. That damn classic typhoid, typhoid wounds. Jeez. So, it's always a bullet wound to the back of the head. That damn virus, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. Wow. But yeah, uh, Pat, you're you're right on the money. That's that that that's where the Pinkertons arose from, and that's where modern and that's where modern policing comes from. And it's like you can't look at what we have, you know. And that's the funny thing is, be like, oh well, this this explosion of police on black violence. Like, no, no, there's an explosion of white people understanding it. Right. Um, yeah. right. That, that's all that's happened. Right. Black people are like, welcome to footage. the party. Yeah. So, social yeah. media making it public. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. we're we're in an age where white people are now aware of the problem, not that right. the problem is new or has expanded. Um, and hey, that's where this hey, comes from. We should from. do something about that, right? <laughs> only uh, for we, a very short period of time, though. You only should, for a very short period of time. The summer of twenty twenty. As long as I don't have to see it. it. As long as we can rename a street in DC and no Ugh. windows, I am. I you know, look. I I I can excuse police killing black people, but I draw the line at broken windows. Great. <laughs> just just let me wave a flag and change my profile picture. Well, and and look what happened. You know, they're probably Fox News. Them love talking about. Look at the. Uh, again, I know I'm I'm the worst tanky ever because I really support anarchism. But like, look at what happened in the autonomous union in Seattle, right? Yeah. Like literally, the anarchists and socialists got together and made a police that it was a Chaz, right? The, um, yeah. yeah. Capital yeah. Hill Autonomous yeah, Zone. Capital Autonomous Zone. Chaz, and, and literally, free food, free water. It was all mutual aid. It was mm-hmm. an entire neighborhood of mutual aid with no cops. And it broke up, and literally, it, the cops had a reason to go in once people started getting shot, but they weren't getting shot from the inside. All these reports have it of literally black vans pulling up and someone yeah. shooting at the Autonomous Zone and then driving off. Yeah, I mean, if that doesn't scream a black flag operation, I don't know what does. It was all the mayor needed to send in cops and end this because the last thing you can fucking have is an autonomous collective in a major city get the news. That is mm-hmm. a problem. Well, and it's it's broader than that too. Like the the Black Lives Matter protests of that summer, you had all these claims of looting. When you know, in Boston, for instance, you, you would have a peaceful demonstration all day long. As the sun sets and it gets dark, you have these groups coming in from New Hampshire and, and they get out dressed all in black and they start messing stuff up and stealing stuff. And it's like, that is Thanks not the, the same. <laughs> that's not the same group of people who was peacefully protesting. This has nothing to do with the Black Lives Matter protests. Well, and, and, and I just want to very point much set up to make it look bad. Or, oh, or yeah, even, it absolutely was. Or even look at like in suburban communities, like, like we're in. Like people, they saw like a group of, you know, peaceful protesters over at like the city, like 10, you know, like people with a sign or whatever over at the city hall, right? Mm -hmm. And then they go home and they watch on like Fox News and see all this like rioting and shit, right? At night. And then burning down cities. Yeah. And then, and then like when I was running, (laughs) Chicago burned down 12 times last night. Yeah. And then when I, when I'm running for city council, all these people are like, well, you supported black lives matter. And so you were looting and rioting in our city. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? There was like a 20 minute demonstration and it was, we just stood there and then we went home. Like what, what, what statues are you referring to like because that's all they see they they just they they just saw what was you know piped 
to them, you know, on Fox News. And yep. it wasn't even like the Black Lives Matter, you know. And the only thing that actually burned was a police station in Kenosha, Wisconsin, because they murdered somebody. <laughs> yeah, and the one in Minis in Minneapolis because of the murder yeah. of because George they Floyd. murdered somebody. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, well, not just the murder of George Floyd. Like they would drive through neighborhoods after oh, yeah. a black they man was shot and killed, and 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 blast another one bites men. the dust by Queen. They would yep. literally blast that song. Like yeah. just disgusting behavior. And again, I want to point out that, like, even if we're going to talk about like black flags, let's just—I I don't know, maybe it I'm the minority back to Reagan, here, of course, too. But okay, yes, <laughs> but I believe that in a capitalist system where we are meant to live and die without healthcare, our lives are meaningless, and we are disposable workers. How in this society where police exist only to protect private property, how is the destruction of private property not a valid form of protest? Yeah, right. And again, yeah, that's one a of really those, good point. You have to protest nonviolently. It's like, okay, and then what if that doesn't work? Because as far as I can tell, yeah. um, I have never seen greater patience in the world than black people in America. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah. Jesus, like, dude. Like, I just don't understand. It's like, I had this conversation with someone like, well, if you don't like it, I, this is like, I was having a conversation with a, with a, with a, a boomer liberal a few months back. And, you know, she's like, if you don't like it so much, you should just leave and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, violence is never the answer. It's like, well, when is it? You know, and again, here's here's my best thing. This person was Jewish. And I said, so do we believe that World War II was justified to end the Holocaust? Well, yeah. I'm like, I don't disagree with you. But isn't that violence solving the answer? Because I don't believe it was a peaceful protest that ended the Nazi regime. Pretty sure it was the bombing of Berlin. No, and I'm just, starting to feel saying. the same way. I'm starting to feel the same way about climate change, right? Like yeah. that, that some type of sabotage thing. might be needed because we're yeah. not going to have a planet soon. So. The thing is, Malcolm X gets a lot of heat for, for promoting violence. Malcolm X was simply saying it's not off the table. Malcolm X was saying, eye on the prize, liberation. We will not be killed. We will not be slaughtered. And that is it. And he was more than happy to ask nicely. But if that didn't work... He was going to do it. That's why is that quote of he will he will seek liberation by any means necessary. And we have to understand that that when you know we, we live in a society where guns are great, right? And you should the good guy with a gun, and we should defend our homes from burglars. Like, okay, so you do recognize that violence and self-defense and protection is a good thing. How can you support the cops? Yeah. You know, like I'm sorry, like at a certain point it's like I know there was a lot of bullshit black op shit going on trying to make Black Lives Matter look worse and whatever. But I gotta tell you, when they burned that police station down, I was fucking cheering them on. And I live in Los Angeles and I I was part of the Black Lives Matter marches and there were National Guards staged to provoke something. Nothing went off, but I mean like literally there was nothing going on. These were peaceful protests in the streets and they had national guards with their guns out hoping to provoke something i mean that's what and again it's like that's not what's even happening but even if it did i don't like the idea that we have to say that they are wrong if they ever use violence because the state uses violence no and this is this this but, does go yeah. back to reagan but you you do a great job talking about malcolm x and i'm uh doing a podcast project with the eighth grade group that i'm teaching right now nice and um one of the groups chose to do it on the black panther party mm. and so oh, yeah. I, Hampton, I had this, baby. I have this incredible uh, graphic novel about the Black Panther Party, and I gave it to this kid, and he read it in like half a day. He just like chewed through this thing, 
but especially like poignant point is that you know how they got their start was showing up with showing up armed where police were harassing people mm-hmm. of color yep. and just standing there and watching and reagan as governor got, got mighty nervous about this and so they realized that they had to somehow amend their open carry laws to somehow exclude black people from carrying yeah. openly around police and um so reagan was doing a, a an interview outside of of the capitol in in sacramento and the black panther party showed up armed and the, just the way the graphic novel is is drawn on that page reagan looks scared shitless <laughs> as you know he, he's looking over his shoulder and seeing this group of black panther party members holding <laughs> holding guns but it's just the, the hypocrisy, it just hits you right in the face. And my student grabbed that. And yes, Chris, the other point that he brought up when I was like, what are you going to touch on in this 15 minutes that you've got? He's like, I've got to talk about the, you know, the, the way that they got started and the way that Reagan as governor tried to shut them down. And I was like, yes. And I was like, what else stuck out to you? He's like, Fred Hampton getting murdered by the U.S. government. I was like, yes, my job yeah. here is done. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're doing the Lord's work there, Pat. That's fucking great. That's, right? And, that's Next to don't... his pregnant girlfriend. <laughs> right, right. But, but Yeah, oh yeah. And again, remember the, the, when Fred Hampton was assassinated, there was only one shot shot by them. And that was the guy who was guarding the door. And it was the corner. It was a reflex shot because they shot him through the door in the face. Yep. Um, and that was the only bullet fired by a Black Panther. And they murder him again. He also remember he. There's reports from his mother and his wife that he was a girlfriend. He was drugged. Yeah. Um, and Fred Hampton was sober. He actually didn't do any drugs. He thought they clouded his judgment. And he was he was he was a clean burner. And all of a sudden they found like you know enough barbiturates in his bloodstream to kill a pony. Um, mm-hmm. You know his mom says yeah his speech was slurred. That's so unlike him. And it was so weird. And then there's. The, the eyewitness accounts from white people saying that after they shot him twice in the back of the head that the cops even outside said, good, we got him. Like, Yeah, they said he's good an and dead. He's good and dead, yeah. It, it was an assassination, plain and simple, and that's what we've always done. Um, and that's, again, and that's, it, it, whether it's willful assassination or it is willful neglect, that is the legacy of neoliberalism in America. And bring it back to Reagan. That's what we do with, 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 the, gay, with gay people in the United States. Uh, the, the AIDS crisis exploded under Reagan and Bush. And what did they call it? The gay flu. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't touch it. And they just said, it's gay people dying. Who cares? And they would mm-hmm. not touch it because gay people were dying. And that wasn't something they, and they, they willfully, you can watch the press conference videos. They still have them of them refusing to even answer questions about it, address it, acknowledge it exists. Where does that sound familiar? Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. And who was on that team? Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci. Yeah. Well, yeah. you just remember, remember, oh God, it was so funny. I was so on board with Fauci until he supported the Biden administration. Like, nope, what matters most is the economy. And it was like, wow. Well, yeah, and now, wow. and, it's, and it's interesting that um, to talk about um, the AIDS epidemic and what's going on now, because now they're finding like all these things about COVID that are similar to HIV, right? Like it kills off T cells. Yeah. And, and when, like when reporters ask Dr. Fauci about this, he just like deflects and changes the subject. And it's like, you, you really haven't really changed at all, <laughs> you know, and you're not really helping. And how many people are going to die this time? You know, yeah. um, it's very unfortunate, but 
Yeah, and what's funny is the AIDS epidemic was swept under the rug for so many mm-hmm. years. And it was so like, well, it's for queer people and poor people. And mm-hmm. you know, later on, first it was for queer people. Then it was for poor and black people. And that was the only problem for drug users and that kind of thing. It's like there was just there was this willful, we're not going to touch it. And all the antiviral science and research that came out of trying to end the AIDS pandemic has proven vital in the antiviral treatment for COVID. Yeah. Yeah. That we would not yeah. have the antiviral treatments for COVID that we have now had it not been for the tireless work of agitators who forced the government to deal with the AIDS crisis. Yeah. You know, we had an epidemic of transmittable disease that was curable, preventable, and treatable. Yeah. How many lives could have been saved if the government had given a shit 20 years before they did? Yeah. How many fucking lives could have been saved? But because and- it was the marginalized, we didn't care. And I think that now with COVID too, they've they've they have enough data now to um, basically follow the same lines. You know, who is COVID killing? It's killing the working class, the um, you know the poor, and the people of color. And so, oh, now all of a sudden there's no money, right? <laughs> there's well, we have we have treatments, but we have no more money for it. And yep. And that's just the way it is. Um, and Biden campaigned on releasing the COVID, um, yeah. uh, the COVID IPs. And remember, these are not private IPs that just are owned by Pfizer and Moderna. These were paid for by, ta- or not Moderna, but Pfizer. These were paid for by tax dollars. The American mm-hmm. people own a piece of that IP as well. And he yeah. campaigned saying, when we have it, I will release it to the world so developing nations can develop their vaccines. And he has refused now. And again, how many people? It's 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 Reagan and the AIDS crisis all over again. Only now it's Biden in India and in Africa, which is mm-hmm. funny because Africa is where we test all our drugs. Africa mm-hmm. is where we test our flu vaccines. We literally use a continent of people for medical testing and then refuse to even give them the right to formulate their own cures. It's it, it's that is where neoliberalism has got us. Is this willful genocidal destruction of people who do not look like us? Um, one of the most powerful people pushing for those patents to stay private is Bill Gates, who, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. it's the, philanthropic. The philanthropist. But, yeah. but the funny piece of, of Bill Gates' connection to the AIDS epidemic is he, he's paid for all of this, quote unquote, treatment in Africa. And all he's done are studies on circumcising men in Africa to mm-hmm. see if it's yep. going to prevent it, prevent oh, really? the spread of HIV. And it's like, but, but he also the serves some malaria tests, drugs, so therefore like, he's a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think that, I think that gets back to like you just said um, about like this, like neoliberal, you know, the priorities and um, really just, you know, using people as just you know for our own purpose and then when we're done we just you know throw them away we we're using the africa i mean look at what we did with the omicron variant and using like south africa and all their science Mm -hmm. and all their data and um and now like we still can't send them um vaccines like or not even send them vaccines we can't even send them the ip so they can make generics yeah make it for right. themselves no, and, and, not I profit that, and i think that goes back to just like this you know since reagan this idea that people are here for either um what they what they produce for us or what they give us and if they you are here to produce and to consume if yep. you if you're not if you're not yeah consuming and contributing to our our economy or um, if you have no value to us, you know, we really don't need you anymore. No. You know, 
Fuck well, you. look at the get back to work. You know, we, we want to get yeah. people back to work. We want to open up businesses again. It's like one of the things about this pandemic was it showed how many people can work from home. And what it did was it all of a sudden opened up an entire community of disabled people mm-hmm. who were suddenly allowed the dignity to work. Yep. Yeah. And th- this was ta- – then now this is just taken away. It's like, well, no, I want to go back to the office and have birthday cake with Cheryl. And it's like this is – that's ridiculous and it's like you're asking disabled people to go back to commuting for no reason we've i don't give a shit about that yeah i but 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 fucking boomers do people of privilege do and middle management does yeah and real estate companies who do not want to realize that half of the commercial real estate market would evaporate if jobs if office jobs went to home um if we're gonna drag reagan we gotta talk about the iran contra we can make it quick but we have got to discuss this um, so like okay, like I mean, I don't know how much you guys know about the Iran Contra. It, it, it's it's this like it's this insane piece of history that is so left out, right? So like, there's kind of this forgotten war, right? Um, and, and you had several wars and skirmishes are going on, right? Um, and, and so you have in the 80s, in the early 80s, you have Iran is in a horrifyingly bloody war with Iraq, right? Persia has broken up. Iran, Iraq, Kuwait are separate countries now, and there's this massive war going on between Iran and Iraq. Um, and it went on for like eight years. And, and the war consisted of like terrorism, chemical weapons, trench and guerrilla warfare. Uh, and the military death toll alone is over a million dead. Now, that's military. That doesn't include the civilian death toll. And remember, Saddam killed over 100,000 Kurds. He exterminated them in a racial genocide. Yeah. This happened during this war. So, like, I mean, this is literally we're, we're talking like we're, we're edging up to Holocaust numbers. Okay. Um, and, and the reason this involves the U.S., it, it's not actually oil for once. Uh, the U.S. was making a whole bunch of money selling weapons to Iran before the war went out, right? For mm-hmm. a short while, Iran was our – because we participated in the Iranian revolution. Yeah. Uh, or pre the revolution, sorry. Uh, we, we had a puppet state British. set up in Iran. Mm-hmm. We had the Shah of Iran, right? You know, we had this huge puppet state set up. And then the revolution happens, and we are not too happy. But we were happy to still sell them weapons that could kill Iraqis. Um and so we made a whole bunch of money, but in 79, right, this is after the Iranian Revolution, the Iranian Revolution happened, what, 55, 59? Anyway, late 50s, the Iranian Revolution happens, Ayatollah takes over, uh, and Iran becomes, Iran, which used to be an incredibly modern and progressive society, overnight becomes this, this backwards religious theocracy. Uh, and in seven, and they don't like the Westerners, and so in 1979, you have the Iran terrorist, or sorry, the Iran hostage situation, Right. Um, and, and what that was is they stormed the U.S. embassy. They took a bunch of hostages and, and, and they kicked off that crisis. That's what it was. Um, and by the way, uh, a lot of documents have come out showing that Reagan was actually behind the scenes negotiating with the hostage takers because he was running for president while this went on. This is the end of Carter's um, uh, time and actually withheld them releasing them until he was in office. That's of a publicity stuff. Yeah. Um, so once this happens, right, Jimmy Carter places an embargo on selling weapons to, because he's still the president, he puts Mm -hmm. an embargo against selling weapons to Iran, um, because they're our enemies, right? And so this, this makes selling weapons illegal, and it technically makes it treason. If the United, if if Iran is a, is a foreign, uh, you know, foreign enemy, selling them weapons is treason, right? Um, Pat, we're talking about Iran-Contra. Yeah. Um, and so in 81, 
Reagan takes power and he promised to continue Carter Carter's policy of blocking the arms sales to Iran um, on the grounds of terrorism, saying that Iran supported terrorism. Um, and he publicly said this, but a group of the Reagan administration and, and it was um, sorry, a group of the Reagan administrators basically did a study. Uh, I forgot what their group was called, but it's kind of a think tank. And they did a study and they found that Iran would fall to the Soviet Union. If we didn't sell them weapons, like they were losing the war, they were they were already too disjointed and Iraq was going to win because, again, we were selling Iraq weapons, too. Um, and they were going to win the war and they were going to fall to the Soviet Union. Um, and so in 83, the U.S. launched an operation called Staunch. And Pat, I'm sure you know more about this than I do. Uh, but they launched Operation Staunch, and that was a public diplomatic effort to persuade other nations all over the world not to sell arms or spare parts for weapons to Iran. Kind of like what we're doing right now with Russia. Uh, trying to get the world in on this blockade of don't give them weapons, don't give them anything. We did that to Iran. Um, and at the same time, now, while this is going on, here's where we got our hands in all the cookie jars, right? This is this is the Bush doctrine of conquering South America, right? Um the American government's considering options on selling arms to Iran. Contra militants in Honduras are waging this like guerrilla war to topple the Sandinista Liberation Front government of Nicaragua. Right now, the Nicaraguan people, these are like uh, these are communists and anarchists, and they're actually pretty unified. This is a good left front. So you can see why why the American government didn't want this to stick around. You can see why the CA wasn't a big <laughs> fan. Right. Um, but the Contras, right, from uh, the Contras are right-wing Nazi-esque. Um, they're super fascist, but they're pro-America. Um, and so, of course, obviously... Which is also super fascist. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a very good point. <laughs> um, and so talk about natural allies, right? We, of course, these are the people we want to get in bed with. These are, these are literal, like, Nicaraguan Nazis um, who are pro-capitalism and anti-communism. And so we obviously wanted to get in bed with them. And so from like 81, like right when Reagan took office, like a major goal was the overthrow of this left wing government. Um, and, and we gave and direct U.S. funding to the Contras was made illegal through what's called the Boland Amendment. Um, and the reason why this is important is because this was an amendment passed by Congress. So not only do you have Reagan's administration continuing Carter's administration's executive order saying you can't do this or it's treason. Congress makes their own saying this is illegal. You cannot give arms to Iran, right? So basically Reagan just went, fuck it. And the Reagan administration secretly armed and trained these fascist Contras and South Americans. And, and they actually called it, they, they called it Operation Enterprise, or they called it the Enterprise. Um, and that's what kept it going. The Contras were way heavily dependent on U.S. military financial support because this the, the Sandinistas were not being, there weren't Russian troops on the ground. Like, they had Russia's moral support and that Russia gave them a little bit of aid here and there, but it was mostly humanitarian. Like they were not funding the war by any means. Um, but we were absolutely funding the resistance to it. 100%. We were paying for Nazis here. Um, and, and the Bowman amendment, like basically threatened to break that contra movement, right? Because we were using the money from secretly selling weapons to Iran to secretly funding the Contras. Um, and I got a quote here. I wrote it down. Um, uh, he, he he ordered the National Security Council, this is a quote, to keep the Contras together, body and soul, no matter what Congress votes for. That's a fucking quote from the sitting U.S. president. Wow. This is where we get into high treason, dude. 
he not only violated his own order, but that's not necessarily treason. That's just illegal. Where it's treason is he violated Congress, a congressional order to not arm the enemy. So that's where a prior again, part of the sales were also to Iran were a low key agreement to release those American hostages right when he took over. Um, so what do we have here, right? We got the United States president violated his own executive order and a director of Congress to sell weapons to an enemy nation for hostages and money and then use that money to secretly and illegally fund a fascist revolution of a peaceful socialist nation in South America. That's that's where you end up with this Iran-Contra. And then, of course, it all comes to light. And Reagan says, I don't know anything about it. I never knew. <laughs> and then documents come to light where it's like, obviously Reagan knew. And he literally has, this, I forgot, it's his famous quote. My, my best intentions tell me they were still true. Yeah, my, my heart and soul tell me that it was still <laughs> not true. Even though, like, and he says, his, his quote is like, even though the facts say otherwise. Yeah, yeah, just for the <laughs> listeners, check out the song Reagan by Killer Mike. Oh, Killer Mike's Reagan is so good. And the animations are fantastic. Yeah, go on YouTube. Like, right now, pause this podcast and go watch Killer Mike's yeah, Reagan. It's absolutely. Beautiful. Listen to the Those song. Those are the quotes from him. And so that's what he did. Reagan is the only president to commit high treason in office. Um, and then Colonel Alvin North took the fall for it and said it was all me. And that's how Reagan got out of prosecution for it. But let's be fair. Reagan didn't come up with this. He was not the mastermind of this. Reagan was a bastard. But he was not savvy on international politics this was george bush his vice yeah. president who was pulling the strings who mm-hmm. remember bush the cia yeah director of the cia not yeah. just like was the CIA, head he was it. the cia <laughs> um and then became vice president that's that's convenient you know what you know what this reminds Damn me it, of, i wanted pat's input on i know it. so did i because <laughs> this reminds me of just like the we've always done this we've always funded right-wing groups we're funding the fucking azov battalion right now as you stated earlier absolutely yeah. oh, wait, 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 pat are you there it showed a mute button and then didn't again. Yeah, I saw that. It like ah uh, no, like it recognized you for a second. Maybe it, you start yeah, logging it out, logging back in. It says mute. And now it's it goes away. Yeah, why doesn't? Yeah. Why don't you log out and log back in? Or yeah, just, just check your rejoined. mic setting to make sure it's the right one because I I get my computer resets when I come back in. It'll reset my mic and I have to put the right mic on. Oh okay. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be able to get it. Uh, but yeah, like you said, you know, we, we look at that Azov battalion, which the Azov battalion, people like, and it's like they use it as this, like, oh, it's just a smoke screen, so you can excuse this. And it's like, no, no, you're using it as a smoke screen. Yeah. The Azov battalion <laughs> is not a group of rogue people who just kind of happen to be Nazi. They're a Nazi regiment. They're, yeah. They're fucking part of the National Guard. This isn't some rogue agency. Yeah. Like, imagine if, like, the United States made a clan division of the National Guard. That's what this is. And Zelensky is on board with it. And be like, oh, Zelensky can't be a fascist. He's Jewish. He's like, Jewish. Have, you seen, have you seen Israel? <laughs> I, lo- I know. I listened to your episode and I absolutely loved what you said about Netanyahu when you made that comparison. That's yeah. like, so fucking true. Netanyahu's an absolute fascist committing a genocide. Yeah. Um, Just because you're Jewish doesn't mean, mean you can't be a fascist. Yeah. Genocide doesn't mean anti Jewish. Anti Semitic means anti Jewish. <laughs> like, you can be Jewish and commit a genocide. You can be anything and commit a genocide. No. Pat, you can be Ronald back? fucking Reagan and commit a genocide. Yeah, the, the Azov Battalion have been responsible for all kinds of terrorist attacks against ethnic Russians. Again, it's like, we have to say this, Putin bad, imperialism bad, not a fan of what Russia does here, and I feel for the Ukrainian people caught in this, but it's like, 
there's there's still good guys here. The Ukrainian government is is filled the, from the top down. It's full of actual Nazis. Like Zelensky is yeah. the first non-Nazi president since 2014 when the U.S. funded a right-wing coup. Surprise. Yeah. And the, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard all the news coming out of um, Ukraine, but basically morale has become so low for Russian troops because the death toll is so, so unbelievably high. high. Yeah. After only like three weeks, Russian soldiers are literally shooting themselves in the foot so that they can fucking leave. Yeah. Jesus. I read that something like over 8,000 Yeah, three over 8,000 Russian troops have already been killed. Yeah. So it's like yeah. like, starting into their Vietnam. And like, like, yeah, I mean, I know they're, I mean, I know they're like the enemy and who knows what they're saying or whatever, but like a lot of them don't even know like that they're there to, to, to actually attack Ukraine. Like a lot of them are being told they're on exercises, you know, or they're on a peacekeeping mission. And it's like, um, and then they're seeing like each other die, and, and I've been reading about that. Like they just like they're crying and wanting to go home and calling their moms, and it's like Jesus fucking Christ. Which is, which, and that's the thing that really blows me away, though, is like again, not a fan of this. There is no excuse to wage a war on a civilian population, and just at the end of the day, tanks are fucking stupid. But yeah. like, I, I, I am not here for statist violence of any kind. But there is a rational argument for Russian aggression here. Like it's not good. Yeah. I don't agree with it, but it's logical. Like I get yeah, Na- I NATO is the bigger saying. aggressor. Yeah. Um, and you would think Putin would kind of spread the word on that to the troops. Like, Hey boys, I know we're going to shoot Ukrainians and we kind of yeah. consi- consider them our people. And this is not going to be fun. This is going to suck. But literally America and NATO are trying to start world war three on our border and we need to draw a line in the sand. Now, I don't like that message. I don't think it's completely accurate. But that's what I would say if I was fucking Putin. Yeah. Like, it, it's, again, it's just like fucking like Trump during COVID. Yeah. Like, he could have been a hero. He could have been like, hey, guys, uh, this sucks. I know this, this is, is super suck. scary. Yeah. But I'm doing Operation Warp Speed, and I'm going to make you a fucking vaccine. And we're going to get to this because I'm, a, I'm the president. I'm Donald Trump, and I'm a Republican, and we care about America. Like, he could have come out of that looking really yeah. good. And yep. instead, he fucked up the messaging so bad that even though he actually, his administration did make the vaccine, he gets no credit for it. And he's known as like the shittiest COVID president ever, even though <laughs> Biden is worse. And, yeah, yeah and, he absolutely is. Pat, I, I think, think I can I hear, hear you. you. I think you, yeah, I can hear you typing. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yes. yeah, we can. Okay, so the only thing I wanted to make sure was mentioned, uh, Chris, great <laughs> retelling of the Iran Contra scandal, uh, is that. We that became you know U.S. policy towards any. This is your internet of... under socialism, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> socialism any, is when no ping. Any type of, of of democratically elected, even leaning socialist government in in Latin America, we we trained the opposing fascist paramilitary groups at Fort Benning, Georgia. It was called the School of the Americas. It went on for decades. And so our, our policy was not only to support them with, with aid, with money, with weapons, but actually to train them in paramilitary operations and make sure that those groups were, were as ready as they could be to, to fight against any type of, of government that would lean left. And so we yep. saw that in Chile, we, but we've seen that in countless countries. Oh, look at the slaughter of El Mazote. It's one of like, the worst humanitarian crises that happened in South America, and the Reagan administration covered it up, even though we funded it. Right. 
So it's just, it, it goes beyond that. And it, it definitely has to do with Reagan and George Bush. Um, but it has to do with Kissinger and, and all that oh, stuff. And it's just, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but the problem, guys, is that people just want to go to college. It's not right-wing paramilitary organizations. Right. <laughs> no, of course not. It's these damn socialists who want you to defund the police and cause anarchy. You will never stop fighting state violence. <laughs> so how did I do, Pat? Was that that was a good that was accurate? Yes, that was a good retelling of it. You got a higher Absolutely. degree than I, so all right, good. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys I don't know, I wanted to ask you about this too. This doesn't necessarily relate to Reagan, but it does relate to like socioeconomic conditions and what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. How do you think that the Russo-Ukrainian war is going to impact the direction of the pandemic? Mm. I don't yeah. know. It seems like it's a good distraction from it. And again, here, here's the one thing we have going for us is these variants. Like, I know this sounds scary, but like, you actually have to remember these variants are pretty good news. Um, COVID is acting like a good virus. It is doing what a good virus should. And what a good virus should do is become as contagious as possible but kill your host as little as possible. Um, and that's what the, when the flu started, it was like COVID. Like the flu killed fucking everyone. And now we have an influenza that goes around, that goes around the world. It's a pandemic. It's a never ending pandemic. And it kills plenty of people, but it kills a whole lot less than it used to. But it also became far more transmissible. And COVID's going to go the same route. Is COVID, and COVID was always going to go this route. We had a chance to actually end it if we had given out vaccines to the world and wore masks instead of being fucking little snowflakes about it. But right-wingers can't not be snowflakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what, what it really comes down to is, is regardless of that, even if we didn't have vaccines or that, this is how COVID was going to work, is it was going to continue to evolve and become more transmissible and less deadly. That was always going to happen, but we really could have, you know, made that death toll a lot less. Yeah. And instead, we chose capitalism I think and statism. Yeah. And now everyone I, gets to die. I think it's also going to take a while to get to, like, that point. Like, I agree with you. Like, it's going the way, like, a good virus goes. The ultimate endemic um, phase. But, but there's also no at, still, like, guarantee that it's going to go that way. And with regards to the Russia-Ukraine um, conflict, you actually made me think of this uh, clip I saw a few days ago of Nancy Pelosi being asked by a reporter about them cutting the COVID funding out of their omnibus um, bill. And she goes, well, you know, okay, whatever, there are people dying in Ukraine. And I feel like, and I feel, and the reporter said, well, there are people dying of COVID too. And it's actually over a thousand people have died in the United States every day for 207 days now, all but five of 207 days. So a lot of people are still dying and they've cut the funding. And I feel like to your point, like, um, like we're headed in the right direction and it's a good distraction, but it's a good distraction at like the wrong time. In oh, my yeah. opinion, it's too soon. And like for, for, you know, even California because of the population and like our density, I'm really concerned that, you know, we're going to run out of money and we're going to run out of treatments. And, um, the Ukraine thing is going to continue to escalate and it's going to completely take over. And I don't think that they're ever going to um, 
you know, give more COVID. They're never going to approve more COVID funding. No, right? that, that time has passed. No, that, that's something that only Trump would do. Biden is not going to give any assistance to people. Like, right. Isn't that crazy that, like, the real estate fascist apologist? Yeah, that Biden has been to the right of Trump on COVID. I did not so see much. that coming. Yeah. I know by a, by a lot. Biden, Trump, the Trump administration put in moratoriums on eviction. Biden pulled those out. Yeah. Biden killed unemployment. Like, yeah. Trump did more for the American working class during COVID than Biden. And that is just Staggering. holy shit. I mean, that is the, the bar was low, but dude, <laughs> like, I, yeah. I just can't get over that fact. And yeah, I, mean, I, I shared this tweet the other day, and it's, it's, it's I, I haven't stopped laughing at it. I shared it yesterday where someone made this tweet and said, breaking news, Biden signs executive order to forgive Ukrainian student loan debt. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's where and, we're and, at. And, 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 and that's not even hyperbole. It. I mean, we yeah. literally fund yeah. Israel's fucking health care. Yeah. yeah. Right. We fund Israel's health care, military, and State Department, and we're now sending billions to Ukraine. But remember, there's not enough money for medicine for during medicine, a pandemic. During a pandemic. Or we can't give you, yeah, we can't, yeah, we can't give Americans yeah. socialized medicine. There's not enough money. By the way, there's a new war we need to fund. <laughs> you know, Biden's numbers are ticking down. How about a war? Good. Yeah, isn't that funny? Rally the flag came effect. Just the right yeah, isn't time. that isn't that interesting how that worked out? Like, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but I'm like, wow, that really worked out at a good time for him. Although his numbers are not getting better either you well, know look what happened like because putin did the same thing with with crimea you know yeah. he rolls in and we went that's that's a bad thing and you don't get to play in the g7 anymore and 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 bad ruski bad and then we went home but now that but that now we have a president whose numbers in the tank now it's like we need to send aid and we you know i'm not talking about troops yet but i got and Zelensky's out here just dick fishing for a no-fly zone which people it's like no, like uh, you know, pe- no fly zones are not like a, a. It's not a law. We're talking about shooting down Russian planes. Yeah, I think people That's don't understand that. That's World War that. Fucking yeah. Three. People do not understand that it's not just saying, okay, you can't fly here. Some do. They did a. They did a pupil. No, we're fine here. It, it works like Americans that on paper, if but it in leads theory. to nuclear war. Thirty yeah. percent of Americans are okay with nuclear war to defend Ukraine at this point. No, there that was a, a group. There was a group in Boston Common the the weekend after that started, and they were marching for Ukraine, and they had signs uh, saying, you know, that we need a no-fly zone, and it's like they were also That's trying funny. to act as if they were anti-war, like pacifists, like. This does not connect. You do not understand what you're talking about. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you get liberals going, "Oh my God, Trump's going to start World War III," and now they're seeing going, "Yeah, let's start World War III." Yeah, <laughs> because and again, it's one of those things that you know I've talked about this before. It's like, you know, it used to blow me away how boomers and old people would just and right wingers would just gobble down misinformation on Fox News and on Facebook and shit. It's like, yeah, and now I'm watching fucking millennials and Gen Zers just. Just, just, just suckle down state propaganda of like, yeah. oh, these Ukraine. Did you hear the U.S. is allowing refugees from Ukraine to cross the Mex- the southern Mexican border? Oh, I mean, you look at the way the European it's Union is treating white people. Do it. Yeah, the, the European Union, who's like so many of those countries along the border there have have been so, you know, just awful to Syrian refugees, Afghani refugees, and now. Ukrainian refugees, oh, open arms. Come yeah, we're on hearing in. all these heartwarming stories. This eight-year-old girl arrived in Poland with just a note <laughs> taped to her arm saying, what I saw that, yeah. I saw something like, like we, that, yeah. We have concentration camps for that here. 
I think it was yeah. like the president of Poland or something. Don't quote me on that. Some, some Eastern European country that was like, you know, I really sympathize with these people with the blonde hair and the blue eyes. Like, yeah. They look just oh like us. They, they look like us. They are civilized just people. Ripping well, off the face mask of fascism. And what's mm-hmm. so like infuriating to me is like, we have all these, you know, needs, right? Um, here in America, healthcare, student loan debt, even things like the COVID funding, right? Yeah, and something, tu- something bootstraps. Yeah, and then I see, <laughs> and then I look at, I like turn on the news for like half a second, or my dad like turns on the news in his room and I can hear it. And I see like, you know, Biden is traveling, you know, around the country to tout his infrastructure bill. And oh, um, Senator Klobuchar has flown to Poland to view personally what is going on with the Ukrainian crisis. And I'm like, how is it that we have money for Amy Klobuchar to go to Poland, um, you know, on a viewing trip um, or Biden to travel around and talk about bridges, but we can't, you know, I don't know, send people another round of face masks, you know, like, like where are our priorities here? You know, why, why does well, Amy Klobuchar have to go to Poland? It's, Heather, it's actually <laughs> yeah. really funny that you say that because I was at CVS the other day and I was asking to buy some N95 masks and the guy yeah. behind the counter goes, oh, I can just give you a few free ones. Like where the fuck oh. was that two years ago? Yeah, right. Oh. Oh, and not just Klobuchar. We're also sending Kamala to Poland. Oh, and yeah. my, my guess was that she was going to laugh, that evil oh, laugh that at the exactly giggle. the wrong time. And she <laughs> oh. absolutely did. Oh. And the worst question, bam, there it comes. It's I'm, I'm like, here for oh, more Nancy Pelosi knuckle rubs. Oh, no, Those but in Pelosi's, you know, laughing about or, you know, explaining that we don't have COVID relief, but people are dying in Ukraine. Are dying in Ukraine. You know that she owns stock in all of the military contractors yeah. and Raytheon and just like, you know oh, yeah. that she's just pulling that in. Well, I don't Senator think that's speculation. I think she that. actually does. Like, I think we could prove yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, she well known the, that Pelosi has the best stock picks there are. I mean, she was, concrete. yeah. And she was, wasn't she the, the biggest one against, uh, Congress not being able to to yep. trade, yeah, yeah, yeah. And hasn't she basically been in office since the Reagan administration? Uh, Eighteen something, yeah. yeah. You know, I I only found <laughs> out I only found out like two years ago that she's eighty. Like I had yeah. no idea. I was she's like, she's ancient and in, she, insanely wealthy. Oh, I know. Yeah, and she comes to yeah. to Ventura County all the time. She and her daughter they 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 are like the most sought after speakers at, you know, the, like the Dem ladies luncheon or whatever. And, and everybody goes and they fawn yes, over her. And it's She's such a piece of shit that she won't even take questions from her constituents in San Francisco. Yeah. Right. Progress is more lady oligarchs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Woke capitalism. Woke capitalism. That's right. Rainbow spray painted anti-homeless rocks. That's what we need. Yeah, right. So like, I don't know. With regards to the pandemic, I'm kind of concerned about the fact that you have all these refugees that are pouring across the border from Ukraine into Poland. And a lot of these, uh, Ukraine itself only has like a 35% vaccination rate for the eligible population. And Poland and surrounding countries are pretty comparable. So you have all these people moving across borders. And Russia itself, too, is still being overwhelmed with COVID. They've never had control over it. So... I don't know. And you know we what? have we it either. About the direction we, of it. The United States is still worse than they are. Yeah. 
Oh, and yeah. you know what's so funny? What's so funny about um, we're always number one. Yeah, USA. right. Not healthcare. I, I, um, and everything I, bad. Yeah. yeah, right. I saw this photo going around of, um, and again, this doesn't mean I support Putin, <laughs> but um, of him like sitting at a table, you know, that was like really long or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. All these like, all these like, you know like local Democrats that I knew were like, oh, look at him. He's afraid. Oh, he's invading Ukraine. But look, he can't even sit at a table close. And then they like compare it to the photo of Biden. Like, oh, this is a real leader. And he's in like a group <laughs> maskless or whatever. And I was like, but wait a minute. Like, he's, he's following actually, COVID protocols. Yeah, he's just following COVID protocols. Look, <laughs> like, look at him. He doesn't want to get sick. Yeah. What an idiot. So what I an mean, idiot. T to be fair, the election's over. COVID's done. COVID's done, yeah. Yeah, get back seen, to work. Have you seen how many of the it's, Democrats I, I'm tired have tested? Of it, so it's over. Yeah, right. Have you seen how many of them have tested positive in this last, like, week? I don't know, because I don't even know if we can actually get accurate data on that anymore. Yeah. Well, right. yeah, a lot of the Democrats, they attended some kind of, like, an event with, Ka with Kamala and the Congress, and now there's, like... 12 of them and i think obama yeah obama's in that group obama's yeah. in like the group of yeah there it's like a huge group of come uh, on covid yeah <laughs> i remember when the democrats you can still were, do giving, it, COVID. were giving trump <laughs> shit for the for the rose uh party with like right? comey bear the one that killed herman Payne. the rose garden yeah oh hey she's coming here did i yeah, tell that's you that's right you she's coming to the scene valley library tickets. The uh, the the sign across from my house says that she's coming to the Simi to the Reagan Library. She's the headliner, uh, Amy, Amy Coney Barrett. Barrett. So is Christy. Oh, so nice. is, you should you should come. I right across from my house and uh, Christy, uh, um, Christy Noam is coming as well. I don't, I don't know who that the is. The governor, that governor from um, South Dakota. Uh, yes. Oh fuck! The one that did the Trump fireworks show. Yeah, you remember, remember that? South Dakota. Yeah, in South Dakota, I remember uh, at one point had the highest like COVID death rate in the entire world, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah Sturgis, do yeah. it." <laughs> yeah, but yeah, oh. uh, she she and well, they opened up Vegas, like the first city to open up. Yeah, even even quote unquote liberal cities. Like by the time that Memorial Day weekend rolled around, and I'm talking 2020. I'm not talking 2021. By the time like we were two months into this, people were like, "Mask off, baby." Yeah, yeah. Well, that's because liberals are no different than right wingers. They just don't hate gay people as much. Yep, that's it. Hey, look, it's black people that are dying mostly. I don't care about that. Yeah, because yeah. the poor, the homeless, and <laughs> gross. Again, it's like it's only now that it's in vogue. Because remember, Hillary Clinton changed her beliefs on gay marriage while she was running for president. Yep. Yeah. Like you can't have this. Like, well, the Democrats and the liberals are for. No, they're not. No, they are fucking not. They are for whatever the way the wind is blowing. Yeah, absolutely. The polling data. It's all about the polling data. It's crystal clear. You see that with Biden. Like he just does whatever he th he perceives to be politically popular. Uh, my favorite is the Biden face on the Lord Farquaad from Shrek. You know, saying some of you may die, but that's a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's been one of the best gifs about the entire pandemic. Um, oh, you said gif? I'm out of here. But, hey, bro, bro, gif? That's how I say, yeah. You give people Christmas gifs? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like Jeff? We're gonna have to hold a whole podcast on that. It, it, it's not giraffics interchange format. It's graphic interchange. Format. Oh my god! Now I'm, I'm gonna get nonstop shit from the alt left community now. <laughs> you guys are posting this. This is the new thing. This is this is the new thing to divide the left. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we agree on ninety nine point nine percent of issues, but this is what really divides us. There's, there's that yeah. enthusiasm meme that I love, where it's like you know, fighting with your other, you know, when you argue with your leftist friends, like "fuck you" and I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically how it is. It's like a fucking poker game with your friends. So anyway, uh, yeah, that sounds like a pretty good deep dive into why Reagan's a piece of shit. Remember, kids, when you die and you go to hell, if they have Wi-Fi, post your pictures of you punching Reagan in the face. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And regardless of all the anti-gay things he did, remember, Ronald Reagan gave California its first gender-neutral bathroom. It's his gravesite <laughs> at the museum in Simi Valley. Go I was going to mention <laughs> taking a piss on his grave, so I'm so glad that you said that and worded it that way. Yeah. All right. That's that's probably it for tonight. Um, we can go ahead and plug everybody. Chris, plug the Alt Left podcast. They're definitely a sister podcast to us at the Eight Hundred Five Uncensored. Absolutely. Uh, talk man. about we are your big... show. How do people find you? Give all the details. Yeah, we are we are big fans of you guys too. Uh, this is definitely a a, a mutual back scratch. Um, so we have uh, uh, the best way to get to us. Obviously, Twitter's the easiest um, at the Alt Left Pod. Um, so the Alt Left Pod on Twitter. Uh, there's a link to our link tree, uh, which is also just link, link, you know, link tree and then slash the alt left podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just go to Twitter, Twitter, the alt, it is Twitter at the alt left pod. And that's got everything. It's got our links to where you can listen to us. We are on Spotify, we're on Pandora, we're on YouTube, we're on freaking everywhere. Um, so, and hit us up. That's the best way to get a hold of us. We're on Instagram. All of our stuff's in our link tree. Please come visit us. If you like the 805 podcast, you'll probably like us. Just like if you like us, you'll probably love. And we're going to play this on ours, too. So, actually, uh, go ahead and plug yourself, too, because we're going to be taking this audio and playing it for a week. Um, th- this is a very similar podcast. So, this guy, is, if you're listening, this is a taste of what the, uh, the 805 Uncensored podcast is. You might like it. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for that, Chris. Uh, yeah, like Chris said, we definitely walk in inner circles and very much aligned. Uh, you can check out the 805 Uncensored Pod on Instagram. That's 805 Uncensored Pod. I'm on YouTube, 805 Uncensored Podcast. If you have any guest suggestions or just you want to ask me a question in general, you can email me, 805uncensored at gmail.com. And that's pretty much it. So, Pat, you represent the Trickle Down Socialism Podcast. That's also a very close sister podcast to us as well. How can people get in contact with you and your show? Yeah, so I'm on, on Twitter at, at ProfPatch83, uh, and our our uh, show uh, Twitter handle is at TrickleDownSoch, so TrickleDown and then SOC. Now, I, I do want to mention that our name, our the name of our podcast is is meant to be mocking trickle down economics. Yes, and you know the idea that we do in fact have a system of socialism where it's really hard to fail if you're super rich and if you're a corporation, and so let's get let's let some of that trickle down onto the people. Um, but you can also find us wherever you get your podcasts. Just search up trickle down socialism. The podcast name does have a dash between between trickle and down. Um, but I also want to shout out uh, my producer and also the producer of 805, C Money Burns. Um, you can find him on Twitter at, at C, as in the letter C, 
Money Burns. Um, he's a great follow. He's got a lot of great opinions and uh, he's really has helped me verbalize my distrust and anger at cryptocurrency, for instance. Um, yeah, and we're also on, on the internet, just trickledownsocialism.com. Definitely check out Trickle Down Socialism. It's an amazing podcast and just like Alt-Left, they're super close to our show. Heather, thank you again for being here. You are a regular on my show. I'm sure the listeners have heard her voice multiple times. She always offers a great perspective. How can people get in contact with you, and what is some of the work that you have going on? So the easiest way to find me is to go to my website, and I just changed the URL, so it's easy. It's schmitttalks.com. Um, that's schmitttalks, S-C-H-M-I-T-T, <laughs> for my name. Talking Talks. shit. Um, yeah, talking shit. Talking Schmidt. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm, I'm on all social media platforms. I'm Twitter, Heather writes with three S's. Um, but if you go to my website, that's usually the easiest way. I've got big buttons on the front because I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, I don't do a podcast because I don't really like the sound of my voice, but I write on my blog. And I write about a range of topics, but since I ran for city council, it's been more political. Um, and, and she writes really well. She, she's a very good yeah, writer. Yeah, she's a fantastic writer. Thank you. I did post a, um, a post today actually about the housing crisis in California. I did it just uh, this afternoon. It's called Unhoused, and it's on the top of my homepage. If you check that out, I would love it. So well, thanks you, for having me. Your contributions are great. Your voice is fine. You should totally do a podcast, and uh, you should call it Up Schmidt Creek. I'm Schmidt Creek. I love or talking it. Schmidt. I like that too. <laughs> yeah, actually, talking Schmidt is a better one for podcasts. But you need to coin. You need to go ahead and grab those GoDaddy website of Up Schmidt Creek, because um, that would be a great one. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, everybody, and have a great rest of your night. Peace out. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for having us, Jordan. Yeah. Thank you.